Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. It's time for the Hadit.com Radio Show. Hadit.com Radio is an in-depth look at all things VA. If you need help with the VA, log on to Hadit.com. Now, here's your host, Gerald Cook. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, on this fifth day of April, 2018. We're here with our co-host, Gay Basser, and today our guest speaker, John Dorley. And uh, we're always happy to have him on. He brings us a lot of good information. How are you doing today, John? Yeah, I'm good, guys. It's it's nice to be uh, be on the show with you today, and uh, you know, just trying to stay warm in Minnesota. We got about ten inches of snow three or four days ago, and doesn't want to melt anytime soon. So we're just kind of getting used to it and waiting for spring to kick in. So yeah, we'll go over some some VA benefits and talk about things. And and uh, if there's any listeners out there that want to call in, we'd be more than happy to try to answer their questions as well. Yeah, if you would like to call in, our call-in number is 347-237-4819. That call-in number, once again, is 347-237-4819, and then... You just hit the number one, that'll put you in the queue with us. So we'll be glad to hear if you have any questions or comments. Uh, what do you think of this new secretary coming along here, uh, John? Have <laughs> uh, you got your I, fingers uh, crossed? <laughs> my fingers and toes and my arms and my legs and the whole thing. It seems like we... We go through enough secretaries like dirty underwear. It, it, you know, we can't seem to to center in on a certain person. But uh, uh, you know, we'll see what you know Mr. Jackson has to bring, and hopefully, we can get someone that that'll maintain and stay with at least as long as uh, Donald Trump is our president. Get some stability in the organization and see where we go from there. But yeah, it just seems to be. Uh, kind of a soap opera. I, I don't know how many secretaries we've had in the last 10 years, but it, it's been, been quite a few. So so hopefully Mr. Jackson does the job that he needs to do, and we all allow him to, to do the job he needs to do and, and, and see what happens. So um, I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, I'm thinking that there's much corruption and graft involved with the VA. Uh, especially on the claim side of it, and yep. and possibly on the medical. So I don't believe the medical is as bad as the claims end of it, but uh, uh, it's hard to say what what can be done. 
And who's going to be able to, you know, grab it by the ears and sling it around till it gets squared away? Yeah, it definitely needs to be cleaned up, doesn't it? And, and I yes. think as long as I've been in the business since 1992, it's, there's always been fires that need to be put out. I, I think overall it's, it's gotten a lot better since since when I was back in the early 90s. It gets better and better. Then we take a few steps back and move forward. So uh, we'll see what happens. I, I guess what I'm what I'm primarily interested in from a from a legalistic and benefit side is is this program that that uh, last time I was on the show we talked about that more in depth and it's been about 30 days since then. Uh, I talked about the, the Rapid Appeals Modernization Program, also known as RAMP. And, and for those listeners that, that aren't aware of this, uh, it's, it's basically a complete overhaul of the appeal system within the Department of Veterans Affairs, not only at the local VA regional office, but the Board of Veterans Appeals. Uh, Donald Trump and his cabinet and his constituency and, and uh the Secretary of the Department of Veterans Affairs and the VA overall, as well as service organizations like the DAV, VFW, American Legion, put together this program to try to try to do some good, try to eliminate the, the backlog with respect to these disability compensation appeals that are pending. Currently under the VA Appeals Legacy Progress Program, it's, it's about four to five years out before you can expect a decision, and that's the old archaic program. Under this new RAMP program, they hope to uh, have decisions within 125 days from the date that the uh, appellant uh, selects or opts in to the RAMP program. Um, I'm excited about it as as a, a lone voice in the wilderness out uh, representing veterans and, and trying to win their claims for them. Uh, I think I'm kind of on the other side of the fence. Uh, I'm, I'm actually a proponent of the RAM program. Uh, I think that certainly any time the service organizations put their uh, seal of approval on it, that gives me reason to take notice. And, and so basically what I've been doing is, is I get the first of every month that comes out, uh, we as uh, agents and attorneys, we get these letters asking our clients to opt into this RAM program depending upon the specifics of the, uh, of the case, determines whether we opt into it or not. I would say I've been opting into it about 70% of the time. Uh, I, I think it's an important thing to do uh, to also uh, communicate with your clients to make sure that they know what we're doing and why we're doing it, and, and, and we take kind of that team approach in opting into this program. So just to kind of give you a a little bit of history on it. Uh, the VA started sending out letters January 1st of 2018 to uh, the appellants with the with the appeals that have been pending the longest. And then the first of every month after that, they send out another batch to to the appellants. They they really want uh, appellants to opt into this ramp program. Unfortunately, from the Department of Veterans Affairs side, I think their statistics shows only about five percent of the uh, uh, appellants are opting into this program, um, so that, that's that's a lot lower than they want. Um, I've decided that I'm going to jump in with both feet. Uh, I've looked at it from both sides. Uh, uh, there is some risk in in opting into the ramp program. 
and, and certainly any any appellant out there that that wants to think about doing that should consult with their uh, their power of attorney. Uh, but but I think that uh, it, it's coming along pretty well. I've talked to the the people at the appeals management office who are operating the uh, ramp program, and they seem uh, pretty motivated to do what's right. But I think at the at the end of the day, right, guys, it you know, they can have all the great intentions, but until we actually get these decisions and and until they become favorable, uh, we won't know for sure. Yeah, uh, uh, the win will tell you. <laughs> if yeah. you start winning more decisions, uh, then you can say uh, this is something beneficial. And you know, you know one of one of the things, Gerald and, and Jack, uh, what I've been doing is. I've been looking through a number of websites from some of the bigger law firms that concentrate on on uh, VA appeals and things of that sort, and and uh, just to kind of get their feedback on it, how they're looking at it, how they're approaching it, and and to be honest with you, there are a lot of attorneys and agents out there that are shying away from it, that they're not recommending their clients opt into this program. Um, their reasons are their own. I have my own reasons. Uh, I think the proof is in the pudding when it comes back. Uh, I can report that although the VA has said uh, their goal is to adjudicate these appeals within 125 days from the day that the appellant opts opts into the program, I have now gotten two decisions back. And so that's – it's a good gauge to determine uh, if these decisions are being done properly, correctly, fairly – and what's going on with them. Uh, the organization that, that's actually adjudicating these claims is what used to be called the Appeals Management Center, who, who I've never had a whole lot of faith in throughout my career, but they changed it. The, the name is now the Appeals Management Organization. Um, from what I can tell, the same adjudicators that were with the AMC are probably the ones adjudicating these claims as well. So that causes me some concern. But uh, as I mentioned, I got two decisions back to this point. Both cases were very complicated. Uh, a number of issues, number of effective dates, a number of laws, rules, and regulations that were cited. Um, the first decision did not come back favorably at all. And what I found in reviewing the decision, our entire case was based on an expert opinion from a doctor who I trust very well out of Oklahoma City. Um, put together a great expert opinion. And I started looking at the decision. I realized everything was denied. And then what I realized under the evidence of record, my doctor's opinion wasn't listed. They absolutely missed the doctor's opinion. Not only did they not list it under the evidence of record, they did not reconcile it, the whole thing. So it it was a miss, a clear miss by the appeals management organization. Um, and, And so The good part about that, though, is that I've got contacts with the AMO, uh, a specific person that that listened to what I had to say. And and it it sounds like it could be uh, a situation where uh, an anomaly comes along every once in a while. People make mistakes. And and I think what happened is this this expert opinion was just wasn't reconciled. It was just missed. Maybe some people call that naive, but... uh, it's hard to miss, you know, you know, if they did it on purpose, then they did. But the bottom line is that the good news is that 
uh, I have an email direct into the director of the appeals management office that uh, uh, will be personally taking a look at that. I, I checked the Veterans Benefits Management System, which is my online tool, and, and they are doing that. So they will uh, reopen that denial without any uh, paperwork having to be filed. They will be re-looking at that case and likely calling my client in for examination. So while the initial decision was not favorable, uh, it wasn't favorable because of the fault on the appeals management office missing that expert opinion. So I guess the good news is that that's back on track. Uh, The second decision was completely favorable. We had been fighting the VA for probably three, four, five years to get this uh, veteran rated 100%. Um, he had been sitting at 90% for a number of years, and uh, uh, this decision did come out favorable. Uh, he is now 100% permanent total. So, so of the two decisions, we've got one that turned out great, uh, and the other decision initially didn't turn out great, but, but the uh, director at the appeals management office has now recognized that they missed that expert opinion, and I expect that opinion to, at the very least, uh, force the uh, VA the appeals management office to reconcile that opinion and, and likely call that veteran in for, for compensation exam. So for what it's worth, that's my feedback to this point on the RAMP program. I suspect next time I'm on the show I'll have additional uh, decisions to, to report. But everything that I'm hearing from the people I've talked to is, is they're motivated to, 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 to make this thing work and, and What's really interesting, guys, and I've told my clients this before, is that typically when you have a federal entity that that wants to uh, put a good light on something, uh, they tend to lean more towards the veteran when it comes to these claims and and granting these claims because they want to put on a good show to encourage other veterans to say, hey, this RAMP program's working, so maybe I should opt into it. So I really think the veterans that are getting in on the ground floor uh, are, are at an advantage for that reason. Uh, it could be wrong, but I think at the end of the day, claims still stand on their own merit. But I, but I think when you're talking about reasonable doubt, as likely as not, relative equipose, those types of buzz phrases, they tend to have more strength uh, under this program when you've got veterans that are getting in on the ground floor and you've got a federal entity that, that wants to uh, put a nice light on it Well, so far, uh, John, it sounds like you've had a, well, a halfway decent uh, uh, relationship with them. And and like you say, in the future, you'll know more when you get more more, uh, feedback uh, from them. So this might turn out to be... uh, kind of what you thought it could you know it it could be a shortcut to a lot of this stuff well and and Gerald a lot of my clients they're they're just jumping at it if they feel like they can get a decision sooner than later when I'm talking about later I'm talking about two four five years down the road they can get a decision sooner than later they'll do it but of course there are there are uh, negatives to it too and I and I think there's a couple of things that, that veterans need to be aware of, and I think that's just part of the reason some of the uh, the advocates, the attorneys and agents are shying away from it a, a little bit is, is is there's a couple avenues that you can participate in this RAMP program. 
it's called a supplemental avenue and a higher level review avenue. And uh, if you select the higher review, I won't get into too much of the specifics. We could be here all day because it's it, it is a fairly complicated program. But if you select the higher level review, uh, you, you give up uh, uh, some duty to assist uh, benefits that the VA has to provide, which they don't have to provide under this program. Uh, this higher level review under the RAMP program. I, I've never been. I guess I've always been a proponent of the VA's duty to assist, but I've always been of the opinion that. If you have an intelligent, highly motivated power of attorney, uh, duty to assist law is not as important because that 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 agent, that power of attorney, is going to be able to uh, turn over every stone possible uh, to try to uh, make this claim as probative and as strong as possible. So, while while I certainly like the duty to assist, uh, I think in in the grand scheme of things, if, if you had to give up a duty to assist in order to get a decision much sooner and you have uh, an advocate that that's that's providing that duty to assist in all reality um seems like a no-brainer you you probably want to uh opt into the ramp program the other thing is that i think a lot of advocates are are nervous about is the fact that if if you do opt into the ramp program and and you exhaust all your opportunities under the ramp program whether it's a supplemental avenue or or a higher level review avenue, and you have nothing more to submit, and you want your claim to go to the Board of Veterans' Appeals, what we're hearing now is the earliest that your claim at the Board of Veterans' Appeals would be heard is February of 2019. Um, I don't really see that as a deterrent at all. The Board of Veterans' Appeals is out at least that far anyway. So um, overall scheme of things, I, I don't see a lot of negatives in opting into the RAMP program as long as you have either supplemental information you can provide or you already have supplemental information or evidence that you've already provided, you're just waiting for adjudication, uh, or maybe you don't have any evidence, but you have a pretty good argument as to why the VA made an error, uh, then you can you can opt into that higher-level review. Um, so uh, the bottom line, though, I, I think, and, and I said this last month on, on the radio show, is if you're a veteran out there and, or if you know of a, a, a veteran that has an appeal pending, uh, encourage them not to do this on their own. Always get an advocate, someone who knows what they're doing. Uh, and if, you, if you're a veteran and you do get a letter from the VA asking you to opt into the RAMP program, uh, don't make that decision by yourself. Uh, talk to your power of attorney, whether it's a national service officer or an agent such as myself or an attorney, uh, just make sure you make the wise choice because sometimes it's not the best option to opt into that ramp program. Yeah, there could be some circumstances that would warrant say, no, don't go that route. Uh, you know, each case would be a little different, I suspect. Right. But uh, yeah, I, 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 for instance, this this last April first, uh, like I said, the first of every month, we as attorneys and agents, we get uh, a number of copies of letters that our clients are getting, asking us to opt into the RAMP program, and they give you the information on what it's all about. And uh, this this last April first, I got 21 offers 
And I think I opted into ramp for about for 16 of them. The other five, it wasn't uh, an option really, for, as far as I could tell. And I, and I coordinate that with my clients and explain to them what their options are and what we do. And so it takes time to do that. But uh, uh, no, I'm, I'm I'm jumping in with both feet, but I'm not jumping into it blindly either. I think again, uh, what really did it for me, it's one thing for uh, the government to, to try to force feed this to us. Uh, but when you have the national service officers that helped craft it and, and putting their stamp of, approv- of approval on it, uh, that causes me to take notice. And I, I may not always agree with the national service officers on how claims are to be developed or how they should be developed or, or that types of thing. Uh, but I think that when it comes to, uh, crafting a, a program that helps veterans and and uh, uh, I think that's definitely something that that can give every veteran uh, a warm fuzzy that that uh, um, this program does have some merit so um, we'll see what happens we'll see how it goes well sounds to me like you're on a run with it well and, and you know what's nice, Gerald, is is that you've got a lot of veterans who who are severely disabled. Uh, you've got other veterans that are up there in age, 70s and 80s, pushing 90, um, and, and they may not technically qualify for an expedite expedite of their claims. Um, so it, it's important that these decisions get done sooner than later, so that they can enjoy the quality of life that they deserve, because. When you're talking about disability compensation, uh, a veteran's drawing uh, 50% service connection, and all of a sudden this ramp program it pops them up to 100%, and the award goes back to 2014 or 13 or even earlier than that, uh, it, it's easy to get a, a six-figure uh, six uh, retroactive award for these people. And so um, that, that's always a nice thing to, to, to do to, to get to help these people get that. Oh, yes. <laughs> that would look good to a lot of people. Six beggars. One of the things, guys, I was I was talking to a veteran and, and this seems to come up quite a bit and I've I, I've kind of I've kinda gone against the grain with this a little bit. Um there's always that that, that running theory or running theme that don't do anything with the VA as far as disability claims until you get a copy of your VA claims file. I'm not saying that's a bad thing uh, to have a copy of your claims file, but don't delay your claim because you don't have a VA claims file. Um, one thing is is that uh, if you do ask for a copy of your claims file, uh, you can expect to be waiting about 10 months to get it from the Records Management Center in St. Louis, Missouri, um, if you need to get a copy of your service medical records and you've never filed a claim before, the National Personnel Records Center would have those, and that's 10 months as well. So I would say don't delay ever filing a disability claim. If you have reasonable belief you have a disability that's related to active duty, file the claim. If it's in your service medical records, great. If it's not, that's still not a deal killer if you don't have documentation in your service medical records. The other thing is... is and again, for those veterans listening now or might listen later on a podcast, 
Um, there's a thing called an intent to file with the VA. It's a one-page document. You fill it out, you sign it, you fax it into the VA or mail it into the VA. Uh, you protect that data claim as long as you formalize that application within one year of filing that intent to file. So, so at least get that in. If you're adamant about not doing anything to get your to, until you get your uh, VA claims file or service medical records, at least get that intent to file in. But uh, yeah, and you can I, do that on uh, uh, e-benefits, and I think you can, you can get pick the form up just off the internet, mail it in if you want. You can do it electronically on e-benefits. Uh, if, if people aren't aware of e-benefits, just go to www.ebenefits.gov. It'll walk you through the website. It's it's a neat little website for for veterans if they want to initiate a claim with the VA um, or or if they want to check on the status of a claim. It's limited on on the information it gives, and sometimes it gives misinformation I've seen with claims that are pending. But it, it it's better than nothing. Uh, so so e-benefits is is a website that. Uh, I think every veteran should have that that has a claim pending at least. Um, and you're right, Gerald. If if you want to do the the paper route, you can go online and Google "intent to file VA" or 21-0966 is the form. Uh, you can fill it out online, print it, sign it, and fax it over to the VA. So you know, get that claim started, and and it's never too late. I had so many veterans that, that call me, older veterans in their 70s and 80s or, or around that age, I think, well, I've never filed a claim. It's, it's, it's 50 years after, after the fact. <laughs> They're not going to grant anything. Well, you'd be surprised. You would be surprised what the VA can grant and what they can't grant, especially if the service medical records back you up. Yeah, that's true. You just don't know. Once they get a hold of your claims folder or your C file, uh, there's some things that crop up in there you wouldn't, you know, you've forgotten about. And one of the uh, things. I, so, Gerald, I was just gonna, I was just gonna say one of the things I like to do is, is uh, a lot of my clients I get formally retained as their power of attorney, especially if they have a appeals pending with the VA or if, or if they're in a position where they can file appeals, I get involved with that on a formal basis and, and I have access to uh, their VA claims file online through a program called VBMS, which is Veterans Benefits Management System. And so that allows me to actually get into the VA claims file. I can see all the service medical records, all the compensation examinations, all the denials, all the approvals, the whole thing. So, so that's a great tool for me in business for myself to be able to, to do that uh, because it, it's very difficult to, to represent a client or a veteran when you don't have access to a VA claims file so you can get a lay of the land on, on how you're going to approach it or how you're going to appeal it or reconsider it or reopen new claims. And a lot of times getting a copy of those service medical records, just being able to look at those is, is the key right there. So... Um, I guess one of the points I'm making is that anytime that a veteran is considering hiring an agent such as myself or hiring an attorney, um, if it were me, one of the first questions I would ask is, do you have Veterans Benefits Management System, the VBMS program? If they don't have that, 
I, I would move on. I'd find someone that does because uh, it's such a strong and useful tool. And I know, I know uh, attorneys out there that uh, you mentioned VBMS to them and they look like a deer in the headlights. They don't know what it is. So, so I, and I'm not pick, I'm not picking on them at all. Uh, but, but the fact is, is that you need those online tools to be able to look into a VA claims file and not throw darts in the dark at these claims. You need to be precise. You need to be able to look at these claims and develop them the way they should be. And on your medical but, records, be absolutely certain you get both sides of that page because mm-hmm. it took me years and years to finally get both sides of my medical records. And there I find on the back side of a page where they had given me, well, I'd injured my foot, and they'd given me three days bed rest for it. Now, that could be a potential claim because my foot still bothers me, and I... I'd, yeah. For the life of me, I couldn't tell you how I ended it, but I did because it's in the records. You know, you know, Gerald. When in the day when you and I were in the military, and, 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 and Jay Vassar, when we were in the military, it, it was all papers, I mean, handwritten notes. Uh, yeah. It wasn't digital <clears throat> like it is today. So, so unfortunately, when when these service medical records are prepared, they're all paper, they're all handwritten, they're not digital the way they are today. So, so there's a, uh, there's a file that's sitting out there that gets scanned to a records management center or the national personal records center or the department of veterans affairs. And in the day when they had front and back, like Gerald, you're talking about, uh, you may get a scanner or a copier person that, that really does not, uh, take too much notice or is just lazy or just inadequate and just scans the front, but not the back. <laughs> so obviously if, if, if the back isn't scanned, that misses a lot of information. And so I guess the lesson learned is that if, if you're a veteran and you file claims to the veterans administration and, and, and you have reason to believe that your service medical records are incomplete, uh, uh, you don't want to just go by what the Department of Veterans Affairs has. You may want to get in contact with the National Personal Records Center and or the Records Management Center to make 100% sure that that uh, what the VA has is exactly what the repository has with the National Personal Records Center and the Records Management Center. So, well, it's critical <laughs> because the proof of your uh, Nexus could be right there on the back side of a page that never got copied. And, uh, huh? Did you guys get an extra physical when you left when you, when you got out of the army? I did. Did you get extra uh, physical or did they? They gave me a pencil and paper and said, fill it out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, with what they told me, and I got out in 86, which was after you guys got out, but uh, if I remember right, what they told me is <laughs> you got out, okay. Um, what they told me is when I got out is is, is if you're feeling okay, check this, uh, you know, look at this checklist, check it off, 
uh, if you're feeling okay and you check all those, you're going to get out a lot sooner. Um, and obviously, I, I only had three years in the Army, uh, but uh, I was ready to get out. And so um, if I was at risk of being extended for a day or two or even a week, um, I, I probably wasn't going to complain a lot. I think that's what a lot of my clients are saying, is, is that's the case. Yeah. That happened to too many of us. They said, you're going to spend three weeks here. <laughs> I said, no, <"Nah>, man. <laughs> I had a lady call me, didn't I? And uh, he had my record right in front of me. And he looked at it and had all the best stuff in there. He wrote it down. He went through the record with me before I signed any papers. And he looked up and he saw he took a handful of papers out of the record went to a copy and made a copy of it, came back and gave me the copy. And he said, buddy, he said, you better hang on to these. Don't lose them. He said, you're going to need these one day. And he was right, <laughs> I did. And you think you think that guy every day, you know. I mean, it's things get lost in St. Louis. I don't know what it is, but, you know, it, I, I would be surprised if anybody ever gets a complete medical record out of St. Louis. There's nothing. I mean, it's, you know, no one knew what was submitted. You know, all this asbestos paperwork disappeared. Tell that record. Yeah. I think that uh, the point being is that uh, um, if you can get a copy of your service medical records when you exit from the military, ETS from the military, do so. Um, if, if you if you're listening now and you've been out of the military for a while, uh, send for a copy just to have a copy. That might contradict what I was saying before. When it comes to filing a claim, file the claim. Don't don't wait until you get your 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 service medical records. But but if you have no intent on filing a claim, uh, or if you've already filed a claim but you don't feel like you want to file an additional claim, still get a copy of your service medical records because. Um, you never know, you know, they can get lost. And, and if it comes down to trying to establish a nexus uh, to your service medical records uh, and they're lost, well, you'll have a copy and you'll have it covered. Yeah, on that delete button, that delete button is too easy to hit, even yeah. accidentally. <laughs> mm-hmm. A whole yeah. lot of data can go up and smoke real quick. Yeah. Uh, well, now they used to put major reserve records in New Orleans. Katrina messed that place up. One with the dumb records. Good What's question. that, John? Naval reserve records were based in New Orleans. <clears throat> yeah. And after Hurricane Katrina, that building got flooded. And uh, so. Yeah. I don't know if they moved them somewhere else or what, but I, you know, I haven't heard anything out of that. I like, no, have you got any neighbor service that your clients that have tried to get their records out of New Orleans? I haven't heard. Um, do you know if they were paper at that time or digital? Yeah, they were paper at that time. <clears throat> they were paper at that time. They were paper yeah. at that time. I haven't. It was affected by the right hurricane. Surely they they trucked them out there. But uh, I haven't, I haven't heard anything. I haven't heard any problems. Hey, uh, well, shift gears. But don't but, uh, they have more than one set of the records? 
Isn't there a master no. copy somewhere? Not that I'm aware of. Uh, you guys, are you guys national- aware of the court decision that the, the I guess the VA got gigged on the way they were treating pain? Did you see that decision? On the way they were treating pain? Yeah, the VA interpreted pain and added a bunch of stuff to it, and the court dogged them on it. it was just in the last few days, the thing just came out. Yeah. Yeah, I did see that. Yeah. I did see that. Um, they're getting gigged on a lot of different things, and, and, and I think what you're referencing is, is uh, compensation exams, John. Yeah, that pain, and, uh, you know, the VA's like, well, you got pain. You have they, they related you have to have a condition to have pain. Yeah. So I got a feeling there's gonna be a lot of Q claims filed in the next few months. There's so many so many different ways to have pain. I mean, uh there's undiagnosed illnesses that are attributable to the Persian Gulf War syndrome. Um but it's recognized as as, as a symptom. It's recognized as as a, a residual difficulty involving pain, range of motion, those types of things. So um, I think any doctor that says uh, you don't have pain because you don't have a diagnosis or a condition uh, you know, needs to be educated really quick on that, I believe. <laughs> yeah, he needs a good job for athlete. You need to duck quack, quack. <laughs> <laughs> You know, guys, picking up on what we were talking about with, uh, you know, service medical records, um, and, and I, I know you guys probably know this, but I think it's important that that uh, listeners out there realize because I've I occasionally get uh, a claim denied right right across the board based on the failure of of uh, uh, the NPRC or the DVA or the Records Management Center unable to locate or find service medical records. Um, and, and there's other ways that they can be found. Uh, they're supposed to be retired to these repositories. Occasionally, uh, hospitals, if a, if, a, if a veteran was seen at a hospital overnight, those records might be at a specific hospital. Uh, they could still be with a troop medical clinic or a specific naval station or something to that effect. So you always want to uh, make sure you do your due diligence and, and follow up with those entities. Um, but in those cases where those, those service medical records absolutely cannot be found um, uh, and the claims are denied, if those records are ever found, whether it's a year from now or 30 years from now, the law does say that uh, uh, compensation, if payable, based on those newly found service medical records, would go back to the original claim. So for my clients when we feel like we've turned over every stone possible to find service medical records, I always, I always follow up every year or two and, and send in another inquiry to the, to the records management center or the NPRC. Cause sometimes they find them. Sometimes they show up. Uh, I know throughout my career, there's been different bulletins or, 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 or different reports that I've come across government reports to say, Records have been found. If you were a veteran who previously filed a disability claim in the past and was denied based on failure to locate service medical records, refile because your records may have been found. So um, 
that's always a possibility. The, the majority of the clients that I serve, though, the records are out there. Now, they may not always be complete, but for the most part, they're out there, they've been found, and the records are complete. Unfortunately, uh, there are cases where records are found and the records are not complete, uh, or the records simply cannot be found. And unfortunately, with, with the VA, the law does say they can't grant service connection if they cannot draw some sort of connection to the military. Now, if we don't have service medical records, there's other ways to skin the cat. Uh, testimonials, eyewitness testimonials uh, are always good. Uh, 201 personnel records file is always good. Uh, so, I mean, there, there are a lot of other ways to skin a cat with respect to disability claims. The easiest way to win these claims is with service medical records, though. So. 3.156 is a very powerful tool. <laughs> What's that, John? Say again. 3.156C is a very powerful tool. There you go. <clears throat> yep. Well, well, John, what year did you get out of the military? Maybe I maybe I dated you too old there. Well, yeah. 86? Yeah. Well, that's the same year I got out. Yeah. <laughs> you, uh, you retired, though, right? Uh, well, they retired me. <laughs> uh, that's right. You, uh, they retired you on the medical, if I remember right. Oh, you didn't. You weren't a twenty-year yeah. guy, though, were you? No. Wish there was. I'd be okay. going current right now. Yeah, that'd be a good deal. Back in the day, you know, it was either or. You take it, you take retirement, or you take uh, you take the big VA compensation. They, they gave you a choice. They didn't give you both. So, and they started this yeah. receipt picture center above about ten or twelve years ago. Yeah, back in the day, uh, there's a that's a yeah. subject that we could talk about. Back in the day, there was no th- such thing as concurrent retirement disability pay, also known as CRDP or or concurrent yeah. retirement service connection, was CRSE, which which yeah. that's a whole different. Well, talk show, I suppose, we get into a, that. But. I mean, yeah, but the, the, the choice was given, and realized the compensation is non-taxable, and retirement is, so people took the compensation over retirement because, you know, the, the money was, you know, substantially more, actually, because, you know, if you're enlisted and retire, you know, you're not going to make much every month. No. And I should, uh, I should correct uh, myself when I, when I, I should correct myself when I said the definition of CRSC. That's combat-related special compensation, um, and that's a whole yeah. different type of program. But CRSC is combat-related. Yeah, combat-related special that's compensation is CRSC. Quick question. CRDP is quick question for you. If you're a veteran, mm-hmm. and, okay, say that you filed a claim and they couldn't find your records, and say six or seven years later they just show up. Now, do you file a new claim? Do you reopen a claim? Or do you file a Q claim? How do you do that? I mean, what, what's the best advice you give them? You, you'd essentially file a reopen. Um, under, under the old days, you just ask for reconsideration. You use a, a standard 21-4138 for that. The law changed in March of 2015 that if you reopen a claim, 
you have to use a VA Form 21-526EZ. So you wouldn't have to file a queue yep. of clear and unmistakable error or anything like that. You just simply come in and say, I was denied for disability A, B, C, and D in 1985 due to failure to, to, for the VA to find service medical records. It's now 2018. Mm-hmm. These service medical records have been found. You just file a 526EZ. They adjudicate it. If they grant compensation for anything, uh, they have to uh, uh, establish the effective date back to when you first filed that claim. Uh, excuse me here. We got a caller, I believe. A caller, you in there? Texas Tornado. <laughs> Greetings from the great state of Texas. Gerald, John, and John. This is Captain well, how you I'm doing actually pretty good. Well, uh, good deal. I'm haven't gotten to visit with you guys in a long time and was just listening. Do you have any questions or comments or John Doyle? Well, I've got, yeah, I want to run something by y'all. You know, I had, uh, I, I was diagnosed several years ago and I had to go through all the cancer treatment for Agent Orange prostate cancer. Of course, Gerald, you and I know how to that getting anything Agent Orange from Alaska has not ever been done. There is no precedent-setting cases to go by, so they... Are you lost in the maze of the VA claims process? Are you frustrated with VA's constantly changing rules and regulations? Do you want a simple, straightforward, noble approach? Listen as Chuck attempts to educate listeners who are dealing with the VA. Okay. Get insight into what's going on. I don't know what that is. Chuck is a disabled veteran. Sounds like somebody hacked the show. Listen as he shares how the process is supposed to work and gives you a look inside at many what things is that, fellas? that do not work. Chuck is continuing his service to veterans and their families with The Vet Helpcast. Welcome to The Vet Helpcast. This is Chuck. Uh, Thank you for joining us again. Uh, And Let's get started. I really don't have a news feed for this week. Uh, I put out the news flash on April 16th about VBA and the document shredding report that has been put out by the VAOIG. Uh, it has hey, been picked Jack. up by a few media outlets. It really hasn't been picked up mainstream the way they've picked up on VHA's documents sh- or VHA's wait list. Um, hey, scandal. Chuck. So Chuck. I, I really don't think that any real change for the VA is is going to come about on both sides unless the mainstream media picks up on both sides of it and, and attacks VA. That really seems to be the only way that uh, real change is ever really made with VA is when the mainstream media puts pressure on them. Today I want to talk about something that many veterans already know about but may not fully understand. It pertains to uh, claims flashes that VA attaches to certain claims for priority processing. There are a lot of claims flashes in the systems at the VA. 
And, but I want to cover the flashes that the VA's manual, the M21, speaks of in the case of priority processing. Uh, do do these flashes really make a claim? It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.